Remain standing, please. Take your Bibles. Turn to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 6. If you have your King James Schofield Bible, that'll be page 1053. Mark chapter 6. We'll begin in verse 30. Mark 6 and verse 30. Mark 6, verse 30. And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while, for there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. <clears throat> Excuse me. Verse 32. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately, and the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all the cities, and outwent them, and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, and was moved with compassion toward them, because they were as sheep not having a shepherd, and began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place. And now the time is far past. Send them away, that they may go into the country round about, and into the villages, and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. He answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they said unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred penny worth of bread, and give them to eat? He saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they knew, they say, Five and two fishes. And he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and brake the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of the fragments and of the fishes and they that did eat of the loaves were about 5,000 men. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for the privilege once again to be in your house, Lord. God, we thank you, Lord, for your word this morning, God. As it comes time for the preaching of thy word, Lord, just ask that you would just uh, anoint our hearts and minds and ears, and Lord, that we might uh, be attentive and receive that that you have for us this morning. Lord, anoint our pastor with a fresh oil. Use him this morning, dear God. Put your glory and your greatness on display, Lord, through the preaching of your word. And Lord, uh, just to accomplish your will in every heart and life here this morning. And we'll give you the glory and honor for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. you be seated. I stand amazed at those things that happen just in the ordinary areas of life. On one occasion, the Lord, after his crucifixion, a couple was walking down the road. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way? They were just going by the way. Much like you would take a Sunday drive. How many of you in your lifetime remembers when 
he would just get in the car on a Sunday and just go for a Sunday drive. Nowhere in particular, but just go for a Sunday drive. And, and part of the, the joy of the drive was just to see what you could see. These disciples, and by the way, I, I was amazed at this. I was going down the road the other day, just, just minding my own business, and I heard beside of me, you know, one of them mopeds, and, you know, he come up beside of me, and the most unusual thing, he had a, five, a white five-gallon bucket attached to the back of that thing. And I thought, now what a strange sight to have a five-gallon bucket on the back of a moped. But really what intrigued me was how he kept it on there. I really wanted to run him down and say, man, how'd you fasten that bucket to that moped? Anyway, it was an unusual sight. The Lord, the disciples had come to the Lord. And at the beginning of this passage, he comes to them and he begins to they begin to share with them and say, Boy, Lord, let, let, us, let us tell you what we've been doing today. I mean, we went over here, we went and preached, and we, we just want to tell you everything that happened. And man, they're excited and, uh, uh, about all this that God was doing and how God was using their life. And I said the other week, it's big business when God chooses to do anything. Amen. And... Uh, and he says to them, he said, man, fellas, that's great. He said, but I'll tell you what let's do. He said, um, Let, let's come over here to a desert place that you might rest. He said, you know, we've been going and going and people's coming and people's always a crowd around us. And he said, I tell you, he said we, we didn't have time to eat. He said, so let's, let's come apart and for just a little while on Vance Heavener made this statement, he said this, he said, if you, don't, if you don't come apart and rest, you will come apart, amen. The main thing, however, of Mark chapter 6 is unbelief of those who come in contact with the Lord. And even in the heart of these disciples, we're going to find they still struggled. The Lord was thrilled in what they had done. But the Lord's trying to help what they like. They could shout over what they had done. But Jesus was more interested in what they liked. I, he didn't belittle what they had done. Praise God for that. But he said, let's talk about what you like. And in this story, we find some great practical lessons that I honestly believe that so many of us, I said us, that includes me, that includes you, needs to learn from the lesson of feeding the 5,000. We've all heard the stories. As a matter of fact, all the gospel writers tell us this story, this miracle. It becomes one of those unique ones. Not all, many of the miracles others didn't write about. Matter of fact, Mark never wrote but about, but about two miracles. This happens to be one of them. And he said, we need to come apart. And, 
And so they left to go to this place and all of a sudden the multitude saw them and said, man, they ain't getting away from us. And so here they go and are following them. And the Bible says when Jesus, when he came out, saw a much people and was moved with compassion towards them because they were as sheep not having a shepherd. If you are accustomed to marking your Bible, highlighting, underlining, you might want to underline that statement. They were sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And right here is where the lesson begins. Again, don't miss this. The main thing of Mark chapter 6 is the unbelief of those who came in contact with Jesus. Here this morning, I wonder, on the unbelief, is your unbelief at a one or is it much higher? Where, where, was, where in your heart is that level of unbelief? Thank you very much. And uh, he had to go get me an illustration. By the way, this today, yesterday was his birthday. Amen. Praise God, he had a birthday. I don't have him anymore. I'm not getting older, but he is. Amen. He is. And, uh, but ain't that a sharp-looking suit? I saw it looks sharp today. Keep that in mind, my birthday. Anyway, let's move on. So here's the lesson begins. Number one, don't miss this. If you're, you're writing them down, but please, please, Write this on the table of your heart. Expect problems in the way. The Bible says, And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far spent. Now, 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 now Pastor Jesus, we, we, we've got the solution for you. Here's what you need to do. You need to send them home, you need to send them to the country, you need to send them to town. He said that they may go into the country round about, to the villages, and, and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. There is a problem in the way. We must realize that as long as we are walking on this mud slab called earth, you might as well expect some problems in the way. We find here in and uh, no doubt, and so Jesus looks to them and says, Fellas, ain't my problem, it's your problem. Now, now, Pastor Jesus, maybe you didn't understand what we were saying. We don't, if we had 200 days labor worth of bread and uh, food to feed these people, it wouldn't be enough. And we, by the way, Pastor Jesus, we don't give you the solution. What seems to be the problem? Jesus said, there ain't no problem. You feed them. And Jesus said, Jesus said, the problem is yours. And he answered and said to them, give ye them to eat. He said, the problem, well, okay, gentlemen, it's your problem. And no doubt these people said, you know, now Pastor Jesus, you know, you're not quite understanding this. Hey, by the way, how many times have we went to Jesus and said, I, you don't understand. 
You don't understand. You brought us to a desert place. We don't have any food to feed these people. There's a problem. How many times have we come and said, Now, Jesus, you don't really get, you're not getting this. 200 days' wages wouldn't be enough to feed this crowd of people. And so the Lord looks to them. And isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing? And, and, by, and by the way, Pastor Jesus, by, by the way, I thought you brought us here to rest. My expectations of you, Jesus, was not a problem, bless God. I come here to rest. You said we were coming here to rest. And now, I've got a problem. And so, we find ourselves... Isn't it amazing how many times we find ourselves in a desert place, a place of need, and we don't have the resources to deal with it. And then all of a sudden, God says, when I give to missions. What? Pardon me? Didn't you get the email, Jesus? We ain't got anything. Didn't Jesus... Did you miss that text I sent you? Then Jesus says, well, you have this person. Then Jesus said, you, you add to the offering. Uh, the other day I was asking God for something and uh, that, I'm, that I truly want Him to ask Him to do something in our lives. And, and, I, and I'm being very honest with you. He it literally it will require a miracle for it to take place. And I understand that. And so I, I go to God and I say, Now God, and, and, and all of a sudden, he, he just touched my heart and said, Well, listen, I want you to do this. And, and I'm standing here scratching my head and I'm saying, That's not the answer I'm looking for. That's not the answer I'm wanting. Jesus, I, maybe I wasn't clear, so I gave him the request again. Maybe he didn't hear me correctly. Maybe, like, like my children tell me all the time, that when I give announcements, I confuse people. I don't think it's in my announcement. I think it's in their hearing. And, uh, and, but, but so I gave God the request again, and God says, no, I want you to do this. And I, Lord, that don't make a lick of sense to me at all. So we need to understand something. But hold it. Hold it. But Jesus, I'm in your presence. I thought I wouldn't have any problems. I mean, after all, I'm in your presence. You're here. I know you're I see you. You're here. And yet, the problem come anyway. And the people had to be fed. Lord, I just don't, that don't make sense to me sometimes. God, I, uh, and, and Lord, that's not, it's not like, you know, I've been robbing you of your tithe and, 
God, it's not like I've been missing church. It's not like I've been cussing in sin. It's not like I'm doing any of those things. Truth is, I've been doing all those things that are right. I'm in your presence. I prayed this morning, Jesus. I got along with you this morning. I read your word this morning. And I was so excited with you this morning. And then the hungry people came. Then the problem came. So we need to understand, first of all, expect some problems in the way. Number two. And the Lord said unto them, How many loaves have ye? Now Mark gives us an insight. And you ought to go home and have a shouting fit that God give us four Gospels. Because all four Gospels gives us the complete story. If we just had one Gospel, we just had Matthew, we, we wouldn't have known this, or, or John, or Luke. We wouldn't have, but Mark tells us something. He said that Jesus asked them, how many loaves have ye? Time out. Nobody's went on a bread search yet. Nobody's went on a fish search. Nobody's went around, somebody smell some fish somewhere. Nobody's done anything. And Jesus asked, how many loaves have ye? Now he didn't ask the question, do you have some bread? He said, how much bread do you have? Don't miss that. And they look at him, and they say, like my kids, my grandkids do sometimes. We don't know. A strange look. And then I love this. He said, okay. Hey, hey, fellas. Go, go find out. Go see. So that tells me the second thing you need to understand. Explore the potential that's right in front of you. Number one, expect the problems are going to come. How many of you have lived long enough for Jesus to understand problems is going to come to every family? They come to all of us. Number two. Learn this. Explore the potential that's right in your midst. I know what they said. Here's what they said. They said, send them to town. Send them away. Send them somewhere else to get the solution. But Jesus said, why do you want to do that? He said, why don't you explore the potential that's right there. How many loaves of bread have you got, fellas? We don't know. He said, okay, go find out how many loaves. Andrew, start, they started searching and looking. And Andrew Hollis said, hey, 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 I found a bag here and it's got five loaves of fishes in it. I mean, five loaves of bread, five loaves and, and, and two fishes. Matter of fact, those loaves would have not been much bigger than this right here. I don't, I, if you're thinking about a loaf of bread very large, you're missing it. They were very small. They would have fit in a bag. And he comes and, and he says, listen. He said, the answer, you've got to explore the potential that's right in front of you. He said, how much do you have uh, for a, a woman with an issue of blood? The solution's a hem of a garment. 
For David facing a giant, it's five smooth stones. He walked over through the creek. For a wound-ridden woman that's lost her husband and everything, it's a, a can of oil, it's a bottle of oil that's in the house. For a widow down in Zarephath, it's a little meal and a little oil that's already in the house. For Samson, it's a jawbone of a donkey. You see, you need to understand the potential. You need to expect the problems, but you've got to explore the potential that's right in front of you. Stand amazed at this thought. The Lord's wanting to teach them that your help is right in reach of where you're at. His presence doesn't exclude the problems, but the answer could be right in reach. Let me stop here and say this. I need everybody to slap yourself real good. The answer's not quitting. Let me help you here. Every church member, every marriage, every mom and dad, if the option is on the table of quitting, you will have enough problems somewhere to exercise it. Every marriage, every church, every family, every home, if the, if the option of quitting, when the problem comes, when the issue comes, if your first answer is, we'll just hunt another church, I promise you, you'll hunt another church. Somewhere, sometime. You know why? Because I'm going to tell you something. Just, just serve notice. Just take this to the bank. Hallelujah. I promised God many years ago. Number one, nobody would tell me what to preach. I'm not for sale. Money will not move me. And, and I'll be honest, somewhere I'm going to kick over your little red wagon and I'm going to mess you up. Like Lucas told me one time, I'll mess you up. I'll mess you up. That little fist, I'll mess you up. You know why? Because the option's on the table. You know what the greatest thing something you could do? Is take that option off the table. And an option. Let me tell you why preachers are not doing anything and churches are not doing anything. Because there's too many preachers got it on the table. Well, if it don't work out, I'll just hunt me another. Bless God when the problems come, and by the way, it may shock you, but we have a problem or two around here occasionally. It may shock you that we have that. I, I, I'll show me another church. That's the reason church pastors are going church to church to church and not accomplishing a thing, and, and the multitudes are starving to death because you know, somebody's got an option on the table. Well, if it just don't work out, I'll just quit. Well, let me just say this. Sooner or later, you'll exercise that option. Wish you wouldn't, but somewhere you will. We find here. And all of a sudden, now the Lord comes along. Let's get back on to it. Matthew 14, 17, they said to him, We have here but five loaves and two fishes. Now here's what Matthew's saying. Matthew said, Well, Lord, Matthew said, Well, Lord, here, here's what we got, but it's not enough. How many of you have had a problem? 
And you got something, but it ain't enough. It's just not enough. It's not enough money. It's not enough wisdom. It's not enough ability. It's not enough patience. It's not enough of whatever. I got this right here, but it's, but it's not enough. Matthew said, now Jesus, we, we got this here. We got five loaves and two fishes, but understand something, it's not enough. One of them even made this statement, and what is that? Man, my goodness, Jesus, what's that among so many? I was thinking the other day, I forget now what had come about, but anyway, we, we had, I was, we got crossed up. And I was either going to feed maybe just a handful of people, and I ordered two pizzas, but I told everybody, and they'd go to a fellowship hall and get pizza. We had two. <clears throat> Do you know how long two pizzas last this crowd around here? <laughs> you got any idea how long that lasts? Anyway, we're out there. They, they, we run out very quickly, and everybody's all upset, you know. And, and I just totally missed it. Here's what, here's what he's saying. God, we got this much. We got this right here. But this ain't enough. How many of you have ever been to a place where you got something, but it's not enough? Don't have enough wisdom. Sometimes, pastor in this church, I look out over our congregation and I find myself, God, I got a little, but boy, it ain't enough. I'm not enough pastor. I'm not good enough pastor. I'm not, it's not enough. So here's what the Lord says. What do you have? What do you have? The Lord said, okay, what you have is not enough, but, but what do you have? They said, well, we got five loaves and two fishes. It's okay, bring them to me. What the Lord does this morning, well, well, Pastor, I don't have enough talent to sing in the choir. God says, okay, bring that little bit of talent you got to the choir. God said, you know, I'm, I'm just poor. I don't have much to... To, 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 when, when I do my tithes and all, I don't have much, God says, okay, bring, bring me that little bit that you have. So I said, well, I don't have much ability. I'm, you know, they just some people that are very talented. Uh, Brother Ronnie's a very talented man. He really is. It's amazing. And, and, and you said, I'm not a very talented man. I can't do nothing much. Uh, but God says, okay, take that little bit that you can do and, Bring it to me. Bring it to me. Lord, you don't understand. I, 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 really, I, I really can't do much of anything. Okay, bring, bring it to me. The story was told of a man. And uh, he lived a very wicked life in Australia. He was very wicked, very wicked, very wicked man. And he was he's in his 40s and he went by a little mission and there was preaching and he got saved. By the grace of God. And God changed his life. And for the next two years, he cleaned the church. He said, I, I can't do much, but I can do a little bit. So they, they said, he said, can, can I clean the church? And they said, why, sure. So every week he cleaned the church. And, and a revival preacher come through. And, and a revivalist said, said you know, uh, wouldn't it be something... If all through the streets of Sydney, Australia, people will aware that there's an eternity they're going to face. Now, old man got to thinking. He said, well, I think maybe 
I get to an eternity. So early in the mornings before anybody would get up, he got him a big old piece of chalk. And he would go down sidewalks and he would write eternity. And everybody started noticing these eternities and nobody knew who it was. And they, they, they started calling him Mr. Eternity has struck again. Everywhere people went, they were, they were dressed with eternity. So the pastor was so enamored by that, was so excited about this thing, he said, I, I've got to catch him. I've got to know who it is. And so he gets up early one morning and he just starts riding the roads. And sure enough, sure enough, on his sidewalk making a big old E for eternity, there was that man. He said, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm just trying to obey God. He said, are you Mr. Eternity? He said, yes, but would you do me a favor? Don't tell anyone. He said, what's important is that they learn about eternity. Years later, they had a big parade in, in, in uh, Sydney, Australia, and this with that Fourth of July kind of time, and they would decorate all the bridge. So somebody got the idea. The bridge, they put eternity in memory of that man. See, some of you say, God, I ain't got much. God says, well, bring it. Bring it. I think we get this ideal that God wants us super-duper holy, this, that, and the other kind of Christianity. I'm going to show you a little bit. God can't use that kind of person. God can only use the person. God, we, we got five loads into this just... But what is that among so many? Jesus said, bring it to me. It is what we bring to him that he's interested in. I want you to see something here I've never seen. Brother George, it's, it's blessed my heart to no end. The older folks knew the problem. But the younger kid had the solution. I thought it was interesting they had counted the men but nobody, no one had counted the kids. No one had taken notice of the kids. They knew there was 5,000 men. The Bible tells us they did. Now if you know there's 5,000, somebody's counted. Right? But how many kids were they? Nobody knew it. And here's what God did. And it was so wonderful. God took a generation of the older that knew what the problem was and a generation of a boy that had the solution and put them together to feed a multitude. Would some of you older saints get a hold of this? These kids around here is not your enemy. We don't need to be fighting them. They may have the solution to feed the, the multitude. There's one thing they do have that I, that, that I want, but I don't have it no more. They got a lot of energy. 
They got a lot of energy. They can just go, 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 go. I, I, I run out about 9 o'clock. <laughs> Amen. I run out. You need to understand. And, and here, the, the little boy had the solution, but he wasn't in a position to use it. He had the solution. He brought it with him. What we need to understand is that God, when we explore the potential that's right in front of us, that potential might be in that one that you've done wrote off, you've done decided, you've done decided, there's no hope, there's no help, there's, we, we may just throw them away. That one might be the one that's got the five loaves and the two fishes. That one might be the one God chooses to use to feed the multitude. But notice, a little boy couldn't do it by himself. He had to have these men to step up and know how to use it. They didn't, he didn't have enough sense to bring it to Jesus. They had to go get it and bring it to Jesus. God help us not to fight generations, but to allow God to bring us together. Because there's a multitude of people hungry. If we're not careful, we'll spend precious time fighting generations instead of getting the miracles. I watched our buses drive in. Seen the first bus drive in. I said, man, it's a good load on that. Seen the second bus drive in. I said, Whoa, man, that's got a good... They little heads popped up everywhere. Well, I got to tell you this. I know how they feel. We visited the church this past week, and those pews were so large. I'm telling you, I thought I was going to have to have a box to sit on so they could see the top of my head. They Were they not? They were humongous. Unbelievable. If I was pastor, I'd burn every one of them. Amen. Or take me a chainsaw and cut them off about halfway. Couldn't see a soul because they were, they were humongous. I thought, my goodness, the giants must have come to church here years ago. <laughs> now I watched those buses come in. I thought, what little boy has got the five loaves and the two fishes today? What child is going to be the next preacher or the next deacon or the next deacon's wife? What young lady sitting here is going to be the next preacher's wife, next missionary, the next one that God can use? What one is that? See, here was, a, here was a, the, the potential. And so we need to explore the potential that's right in the way. Now, last Sunday night, we talked about the importance of structure. And I told you about serving under structure. I want you to notice a little something that seems out of place. But it's not. It's right in order. And the Bible says in verse 39, And he commanded them to make all to set down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. You better get a hold of something. God's not a haphazard God that does things off the cuff. He's a God of structure. Before he done anything else... He said, I want a crowd of 50 over here. I want a crowd of 100 here, 100 here, and a 50 here. And everybody come under structure. If you can't serve under structure, you forfeit your ability to be used.
don't want to sit with that group. And they wouldn't have got fed. I don't like that group. I'm on this group over here. They wouldn't have got fed. Sat down in structure and in rank. It's amazing. It's amazing. As I began to read, to study this thing of structure and how God does it. See, anytime people want to kick the structure, they're rebels and rebellion. God can't use them. Notice, now, Jesus has what he needs to fix the problem. And he sets the order. And I took some time. Don't you understand? Don't miss this. God doesn't work to my time schedule and yours. There's 5,000 men. Could you imagine how much time it took to get them in groups of 50 and groups of 100? Can you imagine how much time that would have took? But don't you notice the next thing he did? Number one, expect problems in the way. Number two, you've got to explore the potential in the way. Number three, you've got to experience the power when placed in his hands. He did four things. First of all, he took that which is not enough into his hand. And he did four things. Number one, he took it. He took it. Number two, he blessed it. He looked up to heaven and blessed it. Number three, he broke it. He broke it. And then number four, he gave it out. And my, what a message there is there. First of all, I want you to understand something. The first thing he did is this. He blessed what's not enough. I want everybody to look at me right now. Everybody, I want every person in this church, if you'll look at me, I'll give you the greatest truth you'll ever get in your lifetime. He blessed what's not enough. I got this job, but it's not what I wanted. But bless it anyway. But I thank you for Lord for it. Lord, this is not the marriage I wanted, but I want to thank you for it. Lord, this ain't the ministry I wanted, but I want to thank you for it anyway. Lord, this ain't the job I wanted. I'm going to thank you for it anyway. Lord, this ain't the house I wanted, but I'm going to thank you for it anyway. You get this, until you can bless what's not enough, it will never become more than enough. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? Until you can bless what's not enough, it will never become more than enough. And he thanked them. Well, Lord, this ain't the house I want to live in, but I'm, I'm so thankful. Lord, this ain't the job I wanted, but I'm so thankful. And then he did something else that, 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 that no doubt they didn't expect it. Okay, I'm thankful now, Lord. And then he does something else 
Then he breaks it. Pardon me, God, but I just thanked you. And now you're breaking me? I, 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 I sincerely thanked you for that job. But now you're breaking me? Lord, I, I, I thank you for that. God, you know my heart. You know I was, you know I was very thankful. And now you're going to treat me this way? You're going, you're going to break me? Is that the way you're going to treat me? Now, you didn't have to raise your hand. If you've been saved a few days, you, you felt that somewhere in life. I mean, I, I'm thankful and you're going to break me? Don't miss this. That which he cannot break, he cannot bless. That which he cannot break, he cannot bless. Hey, you young people, I love you. You got great strength. God wants to use you. But I'm going to tell you something. If he ever uses you, he's going to have to break that stubborn pride you have. Can't break that pride, he'll never bless you. How many of you understand what I mean when I tell you God is a master at taking our stinking pride and breaking us? I mean, breaking it. I'm talking about breaking it and doing it in such a way. For some of you, with your money, so God just crashes everything around you. You couldn't get ahead if you had to. He's really wanting to break something else. It's not your money's an issue. The bread's not the issue. He's wanting to break something in your heart, that pride, that stinking pride, that you're trusting that and not Him. These disciples, you remember how the story started? They're saying, boy, Lord, tell us, tell you what we've been doing up there. Hallelujah, we've been doing, I've been preaching it. Things are done. Jesus said, oh, let's, let's go over here on the desert place. I, I need to teach you, boys. I need to teach you a great lesson. You haven't learned it yet. So he takes and breaks it. Now, don't miss this. Before it's broken, before it's broken, before it's broken, I know the count. It's five loaves and two fishes. But don't miss this. When it's broken, you lose count. I know before it's broken. Hey, I know God says what you can do, but until it breaks it, and you lose count of what's possible for you to do in his hands. I want you to know something. This blessed my heart to no end. This helped me. When it was given, it's put in his hand. When it's blessed, it's in his hand. When it's broken, it's in his hand. When it's given out, it's in his hand. You get a hold of this. Whatever's in his hand... I want you to know that's the best place in this world you can ever be. It's in His hand. We need to understand this morning, experience the power 
when we're placed in His hand. Oh, I love that. It's only when you and I can thank Him for what's not enough. And then if that, if that's, He gets crazier. He takes that which is not enough and breaks it. And breaks it. It's only then that he can give it out to feed a multitude. They could have been as many as fifteen to 20,000 people there. That, that was a multitude. Let me tell you why God's not blessing some of you. You got little, but God, you ain't getting it. You won't put it in his hand. It's not a lack on his part. You got your bag lunch? You keeping your bag lunch? How come I go to hell? I don't care. I ain't, they ain't getting my bag lunch. I ain't starved to death. They ain't getting my bag lunch. And you're holding on to it. And what you don't realize is this. God can never feed a multitude till he blesses it. He's putting his hand. And it's blessed and it's broken. My, what a lesson. But then I see something else in this story. The Bible says, and when they did all eat and were filled, they took up 12 baskets full of fragments of the fishes. On this side of the river, on this side of the river was mostly Jews. And so what he done, he, he picked up 12 baskets to remind them that he's bread of life for all the 12 tribes of Israel. In the next chapter or two, he crosses the river, which is seven Gentile nations. He feeds 4,000, and they pick up seven baskets to tell them he's the bread of life for all the Gentiles. What he's trying to get a hold of you, he's the bread of life for the whole crowd. Amen. But here's what baffles me. How could a God of such precision and accuracy make such a catering mistake? We, we have catered a couple of times, and these people that cater, you tell them how many people you're going to have to feed. And, and I'm going to tell you something. They, they get it pretty close. They don't have a lot of waste. A lot of waste, unless it's just something nobody likes to eat, you know, like broccoli. They plenty of that left over. And uh, but they but but they they hit it, they hit it about right. So I got to thinking. Now, God, how in the world did you miss it that bad that you got twelve baskets left over? Then I realized, well, He doesn't make mistakes, so it's not a mistake. So it's a lesson in it. Here's the lesson. God said, I want you to take 12 baskets because I want you to remember the overflow of this trial. He said, when this trial's over, the overflow is going to be 12 baskets. Later on, these same group of men are going to face another trial. 
In Mark 8, 13, he left them and entered into the ship again, departing to the other side. Disciples had forgotten to bring to take bread, and neither had they in the ship with him more than, than uh, one loaf. And he charged them and said, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of, the, of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, Is it because we have no bread? Now, I want you to listen to what he asked them. He said, Why reason ye because ye have no bread? Perceive ye not, neither understand. Have ye your hearts yet hardened? Having eyes ye see not, having ears ye hear not, and do ye not remember? Boys, don't you remember? Here's what he said. When I break the five loaves among the thousands, now here's the question. How many baskets full of fragments took ye up? And they said, twelve. He said, okay, I fed, he said, I fed the four thousand. How many baskets? What was left over? And they said, seven. He said, how is it? You don't understand. Here's what he's saying. God's going to, he's, he's, he's teaching them a lesson. They watched him feed 5,000 men, not counting women and children. Everybody's full. But then he says, here's, here's, here's what I want you to do. Evaluate, evaluate the purpose of the leftovers. Evaluate the purpose of the leftovers. Here's what I want you to get. They went through a trial. But what was left over is what they're to remember when the next trial comes. Don't miss this. Some of you sitting right here, you've been through a trial. Been through a trial. But when you come out the end of it, you had some leftovers. God did some things. You didn't expect Him to do. You didn't manufacture it. Just had some leftovers. What God is wanting you to see is when you face the next trial to remember He's a God that can provide leftovers. He said, I want you to remember what I've done there. Here's what he's just saying. That trial that you're going through, if you don't learn to understand and remember the leftovers, then guess what you'll do? You'll be prone to the unbelief that these fellers found themselves again in chapter number 8. They said they're, they're about to face another trial. And guess what? How many of you have been through a trial? Don't you raise your hand. Don't you dare lie. You, God, God give you some of your itch. Well, God's real this morning, in my heart anyway. How many of you have had a trial, but you come out of it, you had some leftovers? God done something you could never have imagined. Okay, what did you do when the next trial comes? You fall all to pieces, you quit on God, you, you throw in the towel, you whine, you build. God says, don't you understand? If I did it here, he said, I don't care if you got one loaf of bread or a ten thousand makes no difference to me. He said, when it's put in my hand, I'll break it. I'll bless it. And I'll, I'll make every how much. And just to show you that I'm always more than enough. He said, I'll, you pick up 12 baskets of food now. Boys, don't forget this. And those disciples 
had to pick up those fragments. God made the, the disciples. I mean, they went around on the ground and they're picking up all these pieces of bread and these pieces of, of fish and they fill up 12. And by the way, I think they were rounding full. And he said, I want you to remember what God has done. Isn't it amazing how often we forget the overflow? How often we forget it's a God we can trust. How often we forget that this thing really works. He said, I want you to remember the overflow. The overflow. And then, I see something. We've been on our Sunday drive. Just in the way. And we all get in the car and we're heading off. And I look in the rearview mirror and I say, Whoa. I didn't see that. I thought he had me in a desert place. I thought... He brought me to a place that's dry and dusty and dirty. But when I looked in the rearview mirror, I saw all the people, and they're sitting on grass. And he made them to sit on green grass. And I hit the brakes. And I say, oh my goodness. I thought he brought me to a desert place. But in fact, he brought me to a pasture. I was so caught up in trying to feed everybody in the trial. I didn't even recognize we're in a pasture. We're on green grass. I should have known this. He gave me the hint. Jesus came out and saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were a sheep without a shepherd. The shepherd never takes his sheep to a desert place. He always takes them to the pasture. See, what you call a trial right now might be the pasture he has for you. You're so caught up in the trial, you can't see the green grass that's right there. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. May we learn the lessons of feeding of the 5,000. Expect problems in the way. They're going to come. Even in His presence. Explore the potential. It's right in front of you.
experience the power of being placed in His hand. Number four, evaluate the purpose of the leftovers. And last, enjoy the pasture He leads us to. It wasn't a desert place. It was a pasture. I'll stand to our feet.